raising awareness of the importance of airborne transmission just generally is is really crucial because until you understand how COVID is transmitted between people through the airborne route, then then I guess you don't get why all these additional things are important. As we track through February, head to autumn and into what is going to be the third winter of the COVID-19 pandemic, I think that ventilation and air quality just has to be a bigger conversation for restaurants and the hospitality industry in Australia. With that in mind, I thought we needed to speak to an expert and we we have got the best person to speak to today. Her name is Kate Cole. She is the current president of the Australian Institute of Occupational Hygienists, and she sits on a number of committees and panels, including the National COVID-19 Clinical Evidence Task Force for Infection Prevention and Control. So Kate, welcome to Dirty Linen. Uh, I'd love you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your expertise. Well, thanks for having me. I'm an occupational hygienist and our profession focuses on keeping people safe at work from occupational illness and disease. So you might have heard of our profession in really high-risk industries like mining or construction or oil and gas because that's where a lot of us are employed. Um, But a lot of us also do work with COVID-19 and ventilation and indoor air quality because it's ventilation and safe indoor air that is a really key feature of keeping people safe during the pandemic. I think, you know, when COVID kicked off, it was all about surfaces. It was about sanitising, you know, endless hand washing. And certainly this idea of airborne transmission has, I guess, yeah, the evidence has showed that that's where most of the transmission occurs. And, of course, then you think, well, if it's airborne, then the air must be important. Can you you talk about um, the importance of air quality and ventilation in relation to COVID? Absolutely. So we know that COVID is transmitted from person to person through these really small droplets. We call them aerosols. So they're so small, you're not going to see them when you're, you know, with the naked eye. You don't see tiny little droplets when people speak or they breathe or they they might sing. Um, But it's those aerosols that we, um, we, we liberate and they stay in a room. And if that room has poor ventilation or poor air quality, those aerosols will build up and that air will get more and more contaminated by those aerosols. And someone else in that room, which can be more than a metre and a half or more than two metres away, can breathe in those aerosols and be infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus if someone else in that room has COVID-19. And so ventilation is really, really critical because it's about reducing the amount of aerosols in the air. And we do that by making sure that fresh air comes in from the outside. And we also make sure that aerosols or that contaminated air goes outside. So it doesn't doesn't have the opportunity to build up and create an environment where you have a really high risk of breathing in contaminated or stale air. Right. So, I mean, we're told that it's safest to be outdoors. And I suppose when you, when you, yeah, we can sort of understand why when you explain the way these things work. Yeah, absolutely. So outdoors is always going to be a safer environment than indoors. But even that's not without risk. So um, when we look at the way COVID's transmitted from people, we look at 
what we'd call short range transmission. So within that 1.5 or two meter space between people. And that's where things like masks become really important because it's stopping that short range transmission. But ventilation is really about long range transmission. So within a restaurant, within a kitchen, within an office space, anywhere where people uh, will, you know, will go to, those aerosols can accumulate in those spaces. And if we're not focusing on safe indoor air or, or ventilation, if we're just assuming that our, all of our buildings are designed to, to help mitigate this pandemic, we're, we're kind of setting ourselves up to fail because they're generally not. So generally what has to happen is some big improvements to our indoor spaces to keep that risk of uh, COVID transmission indoors really low. And how long can these particles hang around, just floating around in the air? Um, It can hang around for quite a long time. You know, um, small particles, maybe, you know, um, one micron, which you're not going to see with with your naked eye, and even even smaller than that, which we're generating when we're breathing, uh, they can stay in the air for more than 24 hours sometimes. So I know myself, just a really simple example, back in, in 2020, um, my son was, you know, doing Taekwondo and there used to be this, this room where all the kids were. And I went to pick him up 15 minutes after that class had finished. So there'd been no one in that room for 15 minutes. And I did a check of the air quality and it was exceptionally poor 15 minutes after people had been there. So sometimes there's this misconception that, oh, well, if the space is empty, it's safe. It's not always like that. Aerosols can stay in the air for a really long time if there's no air or ventilation system to push them out. They're not going to just, you know, happily find their way outside of their own accord. They will only go to wherever the air pushes them. Wow. And I mean, thinking about hospitality venues, you know, you've mentioned restaurants and kitchens. I mean, what kind of spaces do you think they tend to be? Well, I mean, I don't work in hospitality, but I do love to go to a good restaurant. And uh, the kitchens I see would be, you know, quite, they're quite cramped, right? Kitchens are not known for being really large open spaces. They, They can be quite cramped. But um, when you do look at a kitchen, the one thing that it has going for it is exceptional, typically, extraction systems. So the air is going through the extraction hood and really sucking out the air of the kitchen because it's trying to get rid of all the heat and everything, all the cooking uh, gas and, and smoke that might be in that kitchen environment. So that extraction system is incredibly important and that typically provides pretty good airflow in that space. Um, But when you have people really close to each other, that's where the additional use of masks in addition to good ventilation, you know, comes into play. In a general restaurant space, if you have a restaurant that's packed with people and all you have is a few open windows, typically you're going to find it has really poor air quality. And that's where you might find super spreader events that we know have happened in the past where you might have someone that's unknowingly got COVID-19 in one end of the restaurant, yet people have been infected at the entire other end. And when you look at where the air moves, it's because those contaminated aerosols have been able to move across the restaurant and build up in that space and they've been breathed in. Um, But I guess we're really lucky at this point 
in Australia. We've seen some great things happening in in restaurants. We've seen um, government grants to try to get uh, um, to help businesses do you know um, eating outside. So um, you know being able to put tables out on the on the footpath or taking up sections of road that can be uh, you know cordoned off. That's a great way of keeping customers and, um, and, and workers safe in that environment. But where that's not possible, there are some things that can be done to help reduce the risk in a restaurant environment. And that's typically all focused on improving ventilation um, and finding ways to get aerosols out of the air through high quality filtration. Okay, well, let's talk about that in a sec. But I just had one question about these particles that are in the air and just sort of, you know, you made me think of it when you're talking about the extraction in the kitchens. Is it about disrupting these particles and just sort of pushing them away, so to speak, or do they have to actually be like sucked out of the room? I mean, I'm just thinking of myself, (laughs) you know, this might be a little bit too much information, but, you know, uh, going into a toilet cubicle straight after somebody else and I've sort of just given the door a couple of extra flaps and thinking I'm just going to push the COVID away. Like is that as ridiculous as it sounds or is it about just sort of, you know, almost like pushing this physical object, you know, out of my vicinity or does it really need to be sucked out? Uh, well, ideally, it, do, it does need to be sucked out. Like you bring up a really good point. You know, toilets, uh, toilet cubicles, or the bathroom area of a restaurant are typically not well ventilated. So you might have a little, um, I guess, a grill in the bottom of a door as you walk in, and there might be one small extraction fan. But bathrooms are actually incredibly high risk areas because of the low amount of ventilation in them. So you're right to, I guess, personally assess that as a higher risk area because it is. Um, And that's really where you'd want to see things like portable HEPA filters come into play or additional extraction ventilation to get contaminated air out of that area um, and replace it with clean air. So that is a big big risk. Um, But to to your question, is it about pushing it? It it is about pushing the air away, contaminated air, but it's, it's also about getting fresh air in. So Sometimes some simple things are really effective. So having a a fan push air outside, you know, towards a window so the the contaminated air is, you know, you're helping it get outside the window, that's very good Um, because we know that the fresh air will come in and be replaced, um, you know, through the door on the other side of the room or through another window. So, yeah, it it is about, um, I guess, treating it, think of it like water. Water will only go where it's allowed or where you push it and air is the same. So, okay, so let's talk, you know, really practically. Restaurants obviously come in all different shapes and sizes. Some are able to, you know, open a door and have a window on the other side of the room and I guess create that flow. A lot of spaces just aren't set up like that. Um, what kinds of things could people look at for, for their different spaces and, and, you know, room shapes and types of businesses? Well, it's going to depend if the restaurant is naturally ventilated. So if it's only got, you know, windows and doors or if it's mechanically ventilated. So if it has a heating, ventilation and air conditioning or what we call a HVAC system, so central air, for example. If it's naturally ventilated, you've only got windows, 
indoors, um, then it's about opening them up as much as you can to get a cross breeze, to try to get airflow through your through your space. Um, one of the things that's incredibly um, important is, is really testing the air to know if what you're doing is okay. Because sometimes you can do things and go, well, that's all I can do and surely that's enough. Um, but I've got to be honest, it's, it's really hard to control um, COVID in the air sometimes and you don't really, you can't just see it and go, well, yeah, that's fine. You have to test it to know if it's effective. So we recommend things like the use of carbon dioxide or we call them CO2 monitors. And in a naturally ventilated space, it's fantastic because you can put it into a section of the restaurant, you know, once everyone's there so it relies on it being occupied by people because we're measuring carbon dioxide that comes out of people's breath when they're in that restaurant um, and you can look at the number on that on that monitor and if it's below you know 600 if it's below 800 parts per million you can sort of give yourself a bit of a pat on the back and go yeah actually this is going pretty well but if your restaurant's occupied and that carbon dioxide is really high, so it's over a thousand or if it's over 1500 parts per million, then you're going to know that actually you're going to have to put some additional things in place. And those additional things typically, um, the, the easiest are portable HEPA filters because they suck or they capture aerosols out of the air. So that's, that's um, naturally ventilated spaces. Mechanically ventilated spaces with a, a HVAC system, that's really about engaging the mechanical engineer of the building where the restaurant is or pot potentially the restaurant might own you know, their own space and so it's their own mechanical engineer. But it's bringing them out to go um, to try to make sure that that system is providing as much fresh air from the outdoor environment as possible because these systems are typically um, designed to provide fresh air to a certain percentage, but they can be overridden in consultation with a mechanical engineer to go, let's bring in more fresh air from the outside. Let's increase the rate that the air comes into our restaurant. And that's going to help bring in that fresh air, get rid of those contaminated aerosols or the, the stale air um, and actually help to reduce the risk. And similarly, like the last example, then we can use CO2 monitors to say, well, is it actually enough or, or do we have to do a bit more? Yeah. So with the CO2 monitors, just to be um, just to be really clear, so they're not measuring COVID in the air, but they're measuring people's out breath. And you can sort of assume that if there's a lot of out breath in the, in the room and then someone might have COVID, then there's going to be some COVID in the air. That's right. So we call it a surrogate measure of risk. So it's not directly measuring COVID-19 or the, the SARS-CoV-2 in aerosols. That's incredibly technical and not necessarily available to everyday people, but CO2 monitors are. And so the higher the CO2 in a space, that means that the exhaled air of people um, is building up. And there's not enough fresh air to actually reduce that or keep it to the same level that we have outside. So for context, um, if you were to put a CO2 monitor outside in a park, it's probably going to read somewhere around 420 or 450 parts per million. So we would expect that it would raise a little bit in an indoor environment, but we just don't want it to raise a lot because that's showing us that that indoor space has really poor air quality and that's just increasing the risk of COVID-19 infection through airborne transmission. Okay. And, I mean, I, I know you're not in retail, but are these quite an easily accessible and not too expensive device to have? 
So there's a whole bunch of different ones. They range from um, a couple of hundred dollars through to a couple of thousand dollars for the purpose of measuring it in a, in a restaurant. Um, you know, you could go to the couple of hundred dollar model. Uh, so, or you could ask, you know, a, a hygienist or you could get someone in to do an assessment, the mechanical engineer that services the HVAC system may already have one. Um, so there's lots of ways that it, it can be done. But it's also, I think, really important to show customers how important um, air quality is to keep them safe. So, you know, I've seen situations where uh, businesses have carbon dioxide monitors where you, um, when you come in and that number's displayed all the time. And that just shows me that they get it and they're doing what they can to keep people safe. And that's a really good selling point um, in the pandemic because a lot of us, you know, some of us are nervous about going into crowded spaces. I, I, I am myself, but, um, you know, I want to go and, um, and, and go to dinner and go to restaurants and go to places that have great outdoor spaces to eat or have indoor spaces that are really well ventilated because that helps us um, reduce our own personal risk and know that that business is really thinking about us as customers and is also thinking about their staff and is reducing the risk of their staff um, being, you know, getting COVID-19 and then the problems associated with, you know, having close contacts and not having enough amazing people to actually run that business. Yeah, look, I I could not agree with you more, and I think it could be such a big selling point for venues. But I mean, I've never walked into a restaurant and seen that. Have Have you seen that in a restaurant? Yeah, I've seen it in a restaurant. I've seen it in um, overseas. Is really really picked up. So there's some really great examples in California. There's some great examples in Japan. There's um, great examples in Europe. Um, I think I hope I should say I think I hope that it gets a lot better in Australia when winter starts to come. Because right now eating outdoors is fun, right? Um, and having doors and windows open at night is wonderful. It's not so wonderful in May and June. Um, and so that's when all the doors and windows get shut. And that's really where our risk of uh, airborne transmission gets higher, which is arguably, you know, one of the reasons why you start to see waves of disease in the wintertime because we all huddle indoors and we all want to, um, you know, keep, it, keep everything shut to keep us, keep us warm. So really this time that we've got now in the summertime is, you know, should be spent on um, preparing ourselves for the winter. What can we do to further mitigate the risk in indoor spaces and, um, you know, engaging with mechanical engineers to help, you know, update our or program our HVAC systems or bringing in fans or bringing in HEPA filters they're all little things that help contribute to overall safety of customers and of workers. Absolutely. I mean, uh, if you're a restaurant out there and you're already doing this, I would love to hear from you. And uh, if you're, yeah, when you get it happening, let me know because I would love to shine a light on that. I, I would, I think it's really it feels strange to me that we're going into, you know, well, we're not going into it, but we will soon, as you say, you know, April, May, June, it'll it'll come around really quickly and it just hasn't been a big part of the conversation yet in Australia. I guess we've heard a little bit about it in schools, you know, for that it's it's been um, identified as a risk factor for transmission and there's been, you know, government support for, for um 
for filters in schoolrooms. But yeah, I think restaurants are where we gather and uh, yeah, we just do not want another winter like the previous two. No. And, and I think that um, like we all want to support small business. That's all we want to do. But we also want to make sure that when we're supporting small business, it's not at a risk to our personal or our family safety. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of lessons that can be taken from schools. You know, a lot of schools in term four started ventilation assessments, CO2 monitoring, getting HEPA filters in place to protect kids. And if you look at a, a school with, you know, a school classroom with 20 to 30 kids in it, it's not really that different to a restaurant environment, let's be honest. So we've all got tables, they're all spaced out. Um, the risk is very similar. Uh, so the same principles should apply to uh, restaurants and um, retail and office spaces as they do to schools. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd even say, you know, it's, it, you know, in theory, kids are wearing masks in classrooms, and but it's impossible to eat while wearing a mask. So I'd say restaurants are certainly um, an environment that we've seen is, is vulnerable and risky can be risky. So anything that can be done to mitigate that risk and still have people eating and drinking and, you know, gathering and enjoying, I think is really, really worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Kate, I think this has been such an important conversation. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? Um, look, I think that raising awareness of the importance of airborne transmission just generally is, is really crucial because until you understand how COVID is transmitted between people through the airborne route, then, then I guess you don't get why all these additional things are important. So because we know COVID-19 is airborne, it makes vent focusing on safe indoor air and ventilation absolutely crucial. So I guess I'd encourage every amazing restaurateur and, you know, every amazing retailer and all those businesses out there that have done it so tough to, um, that we all want to support and have been supporting as much as we can to reflect on, well, if I've got hand sanitizer and all these other things and they're all great for sort of, you know, droplet or contact transmission, as we would call it, what have I got in place to, to help keep that air safe? Because if you don't, if you haven't focused on um, indoor uh, air, then really now is the time to do so. And the types of professionals that are out there to help you, um, occupational hygienists, mechanical engineers, architects, those types of professionals are out there to help you, um, you know, mitigate that risk. There's some really great advice that's been published by AusSage on their website around safe indoor air. So I encourage everyone to pop online. It's O-Z-S-A-G-E on the AusSage website and have a look at that guidance because it was really developed by a whole bunch of multidisciplinary experts in a non-political environment just on the science of keeping people safe at work. So hopefully some of that guidance there is really useful um, for, for businesses to help keep their customers and workers safe. Absolutely brilliant. Kate, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with us today. It's um, yeah, really important and timely conversation. And yeah, I know that uh, the Dirty Linen community will be so grateful to you. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Have a great day. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, 
get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.